Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka, welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today is a familiar voice. Ambassador Safiatu Njai, who is the ambassador of Senegal. She serves her country in 11 different nations in Southern Africa, ranging from South Africa to Mozambique, Namibia, Lesotho, Swaziland, Madagascar, Botswana, and Zambia, to mention a few. Today, she is here for Womanity's series on women in politics, what this entails, some of the challenges, as well as the opportunities that women face in this space. Before taking up her various ambassadorial posts, Ambassador Njai was the Minister of Arts and Culture in Senegal, and as such can give us first-hand insight into strong women in politics, women who shape not only the current but also the future lives of citizens in their country through their respective departments. Welcome to the show, Ambassador. Thank you, Doctor. It's a great pleasure to be a part of the show. And uh, I would like to say also hi to all people who are listening to us and mostly to all the women in Africa. Thank you very much. Ambassador, in my first question, I'd like to cut to an issue which I think is very important, and that concerns the price that women pay to enter the political arena. Do you think it's worth some of the sacrifices that they make, whether that is raising their children, neglecting their family life, privacy concerns, and many other aspects for that matter? Sometimes it's so hard that... uh Someone can just say, no need to, because the price is very, very, very high for women, mostly for African women in politics. But when you look around you and you see what the other women are facing, what your country are facing as problems, if you can help to improve things, even from a precisely little part, sometimes you say, you can do it. You have to do it, even if the sacrifice is very, very hard. So would you say that is about considering the bigger picture, that when you're in politics, it's no longer just you as an individual. It's about the collective well-being of people in the country. Definitely. It's a matter of just being engaged in improving the well-being of the population, of improving the leadership in your country. It's a matter of changing the laws for young, for education, for women in general, for protecting uh, the ones who are oppressed. So when you involve in that, when you deeply believe in that, you don't just count all the the, the, the thing that you are paying for that, you just forget yourself. And you accept. You accept, but you fight also. Because it's sometimes just too easy to let people destroy your life, your family life, your name, your, uh, your honor, in the name of politics. 
that also we have to fight for that, that you can be in politics and being respected. It's not always easy. You can be in politics and being a mother. Doesn't mean that you're involved in politics. You don't have the right to be a woman or a mother. You have to face all this at the same time. That's why women in politics is not easy. Definitely not. When you really want to do it, you have to prepare yourself and make sure you are strong enough. Strength of character. And saying that, you've spent more than half your life in politics. Can you please tell us what attracted you to politics and what drove you to pursue a career? I um, decided to get into politics when I was in college and university. I was abroad, far from my country, and I was looking how things were going in my country. And I was really sad. The way things was going uh, didn't suit me, really. And I say, why should I just stay here complaining, saying it's not that how it will have to be? I should go and tell to my population that we have other ways and means. doesn't mean that I'm a messy, that I know the right answers, but I'm sure that it doesn't have to be like that. And if I just stay abroad, work here, earn my money, and just look at my country, I won't be fair with my population. I'm deeply Senegalese, deeply African. I do believe in my, my country. I do believe in my continent. And I'm optimistic, and I say it can be better. But if all of us, we have the chance to go to study and we just stay long and look at the others doing it badly, things will never change. So I graduated. I took back my luggage, and I went back to Senegal, and I get into a position to try to change things. You've demonstrated just in this conversation that it is about each person has the possibility to make change and almost has a responsibility to themselves and their country to make it better as opposed to just talking about it but driving for action. Yes, it's not just a matter of talking. It's a matter of driving for action. And driving for action is not easy, actually. It's not easy. You have to be... Uh, ready to face all kind of situation. Face the religion, face the culture, face the way of life, face the man's empowerment. Is it the world we can say? Their power. Because even in your political party, you will find that you are weak because you are a woman. This is also another problem that you have to face. And talking about women in particular, and obviously this theme is all about women in politics, what would you say have been some of the, the progress that has been made towards gender and the representation of women in the political landscape from when you first started to where we are today? It's, uh, it's a long way. There are some good moves. There are some good moves. In Senegal today, uh, we obtain parity at the parliament. 
50% of women, 50% of men, which is something very important. We obtain the right to have the same taxes as men because usually we used to do the same work, the same job, and seeing that men were considered as the chief of the family, they had to pay less taxes than women. That was, yes, that was something terrible. And we obtained that. We're having to pay the same taxes. Actually, in Senegal also, we obtained, that was also something that I'm very proud of, the right to give our nationality to our children, which wasn't the case several years before. Can you just explain to the listeners what you mean by giving nationality to your children? Yes. When a Senegalese uh, woman was married to someone from another nationality, you couldn't give your nationality at birth to your children as a Senegalese woman because the nationality belongs to the father, which was very unfair. As a mom, having your baby in your stomach nine months and giving birth and you couldn't give your nationality to your children. They would say he had to wait until he got 18 years old and then he will ask for the nationality. That was very unfair. unfair. And when you're married to somebody from another nationality, if he decided now to go with your children, if you have a problem, he can go. Because your children is not having a Senegalese nationality. He won't be protected by the Senegalese law. So it was something terrible. We finally obtained that. And this is a fight for women in politics and women in civil society. Altogether, we made that fight for several years and we obtained finally to have it. Those are three really significant achievements. So driving and having equal parity within Parliament. Taxation, I hadn't realised that women had been penalised previously for more tax and the likelihood is that most women are earning less. And then thirdly, being able to afford your nationality and your heritage to your own children. Women seem to bring different qualities to the table than their male counterparts. And I'd like to raise an example of, of what I mean by that. In the economic collapse on Wall Street in 2008, there was an interesting piece of research which came out, and it compared the behavior of people in key positions against their gender, such as people who were market traders, CEOs, or policymakers in the year that ran up to this market collapse. And the results showed conclusively that men took far more risks than their female counterparts in equivalent positions, which led to these catastrophic results. Following the study, other research has been done comparing gender behavior that demonstrates that women in leadership roles have more compassion to find peaceful solutions that tend to be based on compromise in comparison to men holding the same positions. What's your point of view on this? Definitely. I do agree. Women will have more compassion. They will take care of much more um, questions that will be social than just 
getting into the point. The result will not be their only goal. They will say, okay, I'm going for this result, but how to achieve this goal while I'm taking care of this and this and this. So we won't take the same risk as the man. But that doesn't mean that we won't work hard. Sometimes, mostly we will work harder. We will work harder, but we will have a lot of compassion on our team, on people around us. Even if there is a war somewhere, somehow, you will see that when there is negotiation, women will be the one saying, okay, let's negotiate, but let's take care of how kids will uh, survive, how we will take care of the women that this and that, how we will protect the environment, how we will do this and that. That's normal. That's normal because it's not because we are more wise, but maybe we are more open-minded. I'll say it that way. In the examples that you spoke about, I was getting this whole picture, and I think that's one of the qualities and the traits that women tend not to just look at a specific issue in isolation. They take into account the different factors and try to understand the implications of decisions for each of those points. Definitely because each decision means an uh, implication of this and that. So when you are a leader, you have to take the time to think about the impact of your decision, not just jump into something because you have an issue and you want to reach that issue. You have to say, okay, I want to have this issue. I want to reach that goal. But how? Not hurting everyone, not ruining everything, because sometimes it doesn't work. Yes, sometimes it doesn't work, no matter how good intent that we have. But today, some women have really made it. And I look at global examples like Angela Merkel being the Chancellor of Germany, Theresa May, Prime Minister of Britain, or Ernest Solberg, the Prime Minister of Norway. And today, they're currently leading their nations. But despite having broken through these glass ceilings, the majority of women around the world still experience serious discrimination, receiving different treatment or being blamed that women only wave the discrimination card when it suits them. Some of these instances that I think are, are characterized, and I look at this from when, for example, Hillary Clinton was running for her campaign, in the last presidential election of the USA, where a reporter asked what designer outfit she was wearing, to which Clinton responded, is that a question that you asked a man? Or another example goes back to the, the former president of Iceland. Forgive me if I pronounce her, her name incorrectly, but I think it is Vigdis Finnbogardatis. And she served for 16 years, from 1980 through to 1996. She'd had cancer, she'd had a mastectomy, but when she was campaigning, a man said that she couldn't become president because she was half a woman. Her response to him was, well, I'm not going to be breastfeeding the nation, 
I'm going to be leading it, which I thought was a fantastic response. But these types of examples just illustrate how women seem to be pulled down or, or taken apart and are not being valued for the purpose that they're aspiring to of being in office and leading their countries or organizations. What's your opinion on this? You said the word. The problem is leading. Leading is the problem of man. Women doesn't have that problem. They will lead naturally. They know how to make it. They were doing it easily. Men are having that problem. They can't. They still can't accept to let women lead them at each level. At each level they're having this problem. From the highest level to the very, very lowest level. This is, in fact, not a woman's problem. It's the man's problem. They don't accept women. In politics, it's the same. Women will do the job whenever there is a post, whenever there is a, uh, someone to be elected. Men will get solidarity among us and choose one of them because they won't accept women to lead them. When you were a minister or ambassador leading a team of men, they won't accept you. They will always look at you, is she able to make it? Whenever this question, we won't ask it when it's the man who is chosen. But when is a woman, is she able? Why is she wearing this? What and what and what? Because we, they are always looking at us like women, forgetting that mostly we are just human beings like them, smarter than them, and mostly wiser than them. They are the one having the problem. It's not the woman. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of stigmatism going on. We are still working on it. There are a lot of things that have been done, but there is so many things that we have to continue to fight. How do you think we can overcome this issue of double standards and reduce the stigmatism? And even if it means that women band together more and, and to become more of a collective force. What are your thoughts? By insisting on women's education. I deeply believe in that. The more girls will go in, to school, the more they will be maintained in school. They stay, they go to college, they get a better education things will change. Thank you for that input and words of advice, which I totally agree with you. We certainly need to have more of. Today, we're talking to Ambassador of Senegal, Safiatu Njai, who is participating in our series of Women in Politics. We'll be back after the short break. Let us all unite and celebrate this is indeed a joyous night. We are delighted by the overwhelming support for the African National Congress. To the people of South Africa and the world, this is indeed a joyous night for the human spirit. 
your health and apartheid. This year, 2018, marks 100 years since the birth of South Africa's first democratically elected president, Nelson Kholisasa Mandela. Join Channel Africa, South Africa's international public service radio station, as we celebrate a centenary of the life and times of Madiba. Join us in a year-long broadcast campaign in honor of Nelson Mandela's legacy through a variety of informative radio programs. Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. This is Lyra, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, and democracy. Today we're talking to the ambassador of Senegal to South Africa and 10 other countries within the southern part of the continent, Ambassador Safiatu Njai. She's participating in our series concerning women in politics. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Ambassador, we spoke about some of the developments in the world. We've spoken about some of our female leaders in Europe. Let's shift our focus to Africa. How do you see women's leadership in Africa? Women's leadership in Africa is getting better and better. Actually, really, I'm, uh, I'm very, very happy to see that we're having figures emerging. We just saw Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, who just finished uh, her term and who hand over everything very nicely in very respectful democracy. She even earned uh, the Mo Ibrahim, if I don't uh, mistake, uh, awards these days. So I'm congratulating her. A lot of women are emerging. In a younger generation, we have Fatma Juf Samura, who is the Secretary General of the FIFA. This makes us feel comfortable. And I told you, we're having in Senegal uh, parity at the parliament even though we are looking for more, much more. We are looking for more ministers in the government, more women ministers in the government in very high uh, position. We are looking for more women in uh, the fields of decisions in the continent. Uh, we spoke before about the compassion, the empathy that women will have when we will talk about uh, education, when we will talk about environment, when we will talk about social issues. So when they are in the places where they can decide for the community, it can be good, it can be helpful. We are looking forward to see much more women emerging in the continent. So far, we are doing pretty well but we can do better. Yes, I like that. We can do better. Do you think that having the likes of Ellen Sirleaf Johnson, who led Liberia, or Joyce Bander, who is president of Malawi, or 
Even Winnie Madikizela Mandela, who passed away a few weeks ago and was called the mother of the nation, do you think that these women have succeeded to inspire and influence a younger woman to, to take up the torch and pursue careers in leadership? Definitely. I followed with great interest all the tributes that was paid to Winnie Mandela. And I discovered that a lot of women in South Africa are following her spirit. Even we, as non-South African, we were inspired by her spirit. Reading her legacy, listening to what she did, you just say to yourself, I don't even have the right to sit down and complain. I have to fight. This woman did this. I'm talking about Winnie Mandela. But there are a lot of them in the continent. Known, well-known, or sometimes not even known at all. But who did so much and inspired this new generation. And uh, when I'm looking at this generation of young women emerging in this continent from north to south, I'm happy. I'm happy. And to be frank, we wouldn't be in the positions that we're in today if it hadn't been for the work and effort that was done by these great ladies that preceded us. Definitely. That's why we have to teach to the young generation, men and women, both of them, their legacy. We have to teach their spirit, their fight uh, in all the schools, from primary to high school, uh, in order to create a new generation of population who are aware of where they are coming from. It's so important to know your roots, to know who showed you the way, who did everything at the beginning, because you just benefit of something, but you don't even know where it's coming from. Who sacrifices his life for that? It's so important. It will help this young to act differently, to believe in deeper values and not to be sometimes so superficial. And we have a responsibility to ourselves and to these future generations that we don't regress and that we continue to pursue a path that is going to advance all of us. Ambassador, clearly being a female leader in Africa is challenging. It sometimes touches very sensitive points like culture, religion and tradition. In your experience, do you think that women leaders face different challenges to their male counterparts and are they judged differently? Of course. Women in politics means also being sometimes marginalized or stigmatized by your own sisters. Women will be the first one. All the others who maybe envy you for your strength, for your courage. All the others who are scared of being involved in politics will be the first one 
who will look at you in a bad way. Why is she doing this? Why aren't she just stay at home and take care of her kids and her husband? Why is she getting involved in meetings where men are sitting? Why is she talking in front of everyone? So you will have to convince first your sisters, the women, that they need a woman's voice. And once you convince them, now you have to face your brothers, the men in your party, the men in the community. So it's a great challenge. But it sounds like don't go this alone. It's convincing, making women understand that their voice needs to be heard and then going out collectively with that support. And you may be the spokesperson, but you know that they've got your back. Definitely. Once you convince them and they accept you as their leader, you can face all the challenges because they are so supportive. Ambassador, one of the points that you made, and it, it came through as being a solution, was the issue of education, to make sure that women get educated. And also in that about educating men, about who we are and our, our new places in society. I sometimes think that perhaps gender equality is something which should be on every woman's agenda, no matter what her race is, her religion, her culture, socioeconomic class, in order to achieve 50% representation across the spectrum, whether that is on company boards or political parties. What are your thoughts? It won't be easy. Let's not be utopist. It won't be easy because, as I told you, we will have to improve our boys' education from the, 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 the primary school, from the kindergarten. Teach them how to respect uh, women, how to respect girls, how to look at them as their equal. It will be a lot to do. Even the, the family, in the family area also, how mothers will raise their boys, telling them that if your sister is doing this at home, you must have the same duties. Because in Africa, we are facing this great problem. We raise our children saying to boy, you are the leader. From his primary age, we will teach him that he is the leader, that everything is due to him. That's why when he will grow up, it won't be easy for him to accept women's equality. It won't be easy for him to accept uh, gender equality. And sometimes also, mostly in fact, women also will consider herself as the second part of the, 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 the family, not knowing that she had the same rights, the same equality in the family as the man. And mostly in politics, they will do the hardest part of the job, but they will step back when it will be time for them to take the floor, to take the leadership, because they won't be convinced themselves that they are able to make it. 
So it's a big challenge. If these things aren't addressed when children are growing up, they, they grow up with these disparities for the rest of their lives, and it ultimately impacts on a young girl's self-confidence, and if she's not confident, she doesn't believe in herself, and if you don't believe in yourself, how can you expect other people to believe in you? This is the great problem. It's really, really a problem. That's why education uh, for girls won't just be going to school. I'm part of the people who are thinking that it must be a complementary education in leadership in our schools, teaching to girls that they can be leaders. They have to have the uh, self-esteem, self-confidence, and uh, teaching them how to, 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 to act uh, in front of big community, how to react uh, in front of this kind of problem, how, how just to, to, to behave like a leader. We have to create more and more generation of women leader. We need that in order to, to, to make uh, things going well balanced in the continent. Something that I've come to realize as I've had discussions with various women that are in prominent roles, such as yourself, is that politics has the ability to change things. It's got the ability to influence things and to make people's lives better. It has also the ability to destroy a lot. Corruption, harassment. There is a lot of thing going to politics. When you are not really strong, when you don't have support for women, it can be destroying. It can destroy you as a woman, it can destroy your family. And uh, sometimes it's very, very dangerous. But when you can face all that and succeed, you can change a lot. You can change a lot on the life of your population. You can change a lot of the decisions that will improve the development of your country. And that's something very important. Thank you. We've spoken about the challenges, the negative aspects, and we've also covered some of the positive components of women in politics. Lastly, what I'd like to ask you is, what has been your best lesson in politics? My best lesson in politics is that I've learned that I can every day go far beyond what I was expecting that I can do. I don't know if it's the right thing, the right way to say it. But I discover myself that I could climb on top of the mountain, reach it, uh, facing all sorts of challenges, facing all sorts of difficulties, make me become stronger every day. And it sounds like there's always another mountain to climb. Definitely. Since we are here, we're still living. There's always mountain to climb.
As a woman who's been in the political field, would you recommend that your daughters or future granddaughters even enter the political arena? Recommend is difficult, but whenever someone from my family, a woman, will decide to get into politics, I'll give her advice and I will support her. I will support her, definitely. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to exchange with you about women's concern, about development of our country, about women in politics. Thanks. We appreciate your perspective. That was Ambassador of Senegal to South Africa and 10 other countries within the Southern Hemisphere, Ambassador Safiatu Njaye.